You are now tuned into Accelerate to Great Podcast with Nehemiah Davis, a podcast for aspiring and established entrepreneurs looking for their next level of greatness. Welcome back to another episode of Accelerate the Great. I'm your host, Nehemiah Davis, and today we got a super duper duper incredible episode to you. Our actual guest, he literally doesn't know how much he actually affected my life through someone else. So I get the great opportunity to be a part of one of his communities called Secret Entourage. But through that community, I literally have met some best friends like David Wonke, Herman, Todd Fleming, but it was all as a result of this visionary who created this group I'm talking about probably 10 years ago before anyone even thought about creating entrepreneur groups. So without further ado, I wanna invite my friend, my mentor, all around game changer and literally a visionary to the call. Uh, so without further ado, I wanna invite Pedjman Gadini, AKA PJ, owner of Secret Entourage and so many other companies to our podcast. What's up, good brother? What's going on, buddy? I really appreciate you having me on. It's been a while since we spoke, actually. Right, it, it, it has. I know we are supposed to link up in Miami for the actual interview live, but I know it was on the other side of town, so we couldn't make it. But uh, I appreciate you coming here uh, today. My question My pleasure, Yeah, no problem. Have you always been a visionary? Because, you know, I started Circle Greatness Academy a few years ago. You have had Secret Entourage for, like, what, 10 years? 12 and a half. 12 and a half years. Like, what put in your mind, like, this information, groups, I don't feel like they were thought about at that time, 12 and a half years ago. What, where did you get this, this whole visionary thing from? Because I look at you like so, this. So first off, I, I think that's what confuses most people in business today is they look at a final product, right? And they go, how did you think of that so long ago, right? And reality is I didn't think of that that long ago. I think one of the big things people don't understand about business is it's progressive, right? So it evolved into that. And I think that if we talked about what Secret Entourage was 12 years ago, it was nothing more than a blog. So was I a visionary 12 years ago by setting up a blog? I don't really think so. I just think I had good intentions of wanting to help people. I did it with the medium of writing. You know, I didn't like writing, but I felt like more people were reading. So I would write, so they would read. Uh, and as a result of it, a blog was created. Over the 12 years, the progression of that blog you know, was literally just forced on me by just the energies that are out there telling me like people are reading, they want to listen too, so start, you know, doing videos, they want to watch too, so start making movies. So it doesn't, it, it never starts the way it ends, right? We could look at an iPhone and really say, well, how did you know then? Well, I don't think they knew then. I think they just made computers long enough and they saw eventually while they were making them where the future of computing was going and it was going to mobile devices. So phones became a focus. And I think that's an important thing to note in business is that the ending, which looks you know, glamorous or, or large on the surface, really often, I mean, 99.9% .9 of the time I've been uh, paying attention never really started that way. Uh, and I think that's part of what makes visionaries visionaries is their ability to adapt ahead of market. You know, so to answer your question, uh, I've always been able to adapt one to two years ahead of market, like most successful people. But to the surface of the regular Joe looking in, you know, it looks like I'm adapting 10 years ahead because by the end, you're always the first one to go through the door. I mean, we're doing that right now. 
uh, four years ago, we started a watch trading academy to teach people how to trade watches, you know? And there's not a single person in the world doing that. And I do that because I believe in it. I do that because I've done it for 15 plus years personally. And now I've found a medium to teach it true, which is, you know, an online platform. But the reality is even today, we have people like Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank who are catching on to this, you know, four or five years later and saying, oh my God, watches are such great investments. Maybe I should start writing about the investment level of it and start adding, teaching this investment in my own portfolio. So was I really 20 years ahead? Did I invent a trend? No, I just brought light to something that few people are talking about. And again, this goes back to finding your talent in the world and just not compromising on bringing that talent to people. So Michael, that's a good actual segue for someone listening and trying to find their talent. How do you find it? You know what I mean? Like a lot of people are like working jobs they hate and they're just living unfulfilled lives. But oftentimes they do possess some sort of talent. What is your suggestion on finding your personal So you, you bring up an interesting point. You said people live uh, or work jobs they hate, right? So we're in an environment, I mean, at least in the United States. I understand if some people are in Europe or someplace, these things are different. But in the United States, we have a very low unemployment rate. We have new emerging markets every five minutes and anybody from home can make a million bucks. I'm not saying it's easy. I said it's simple, right? So the, the big difference between people who find their talents or hone in on their talents are people that actually are looking at life from the idea of a progressive standpoint. You see, like so many people will say, well, I don't want to start this business because it's not scalable. Uh, I don't want to start this business because it can't make $10 million. Oh, I asked my mentor about this business and he said, this wasn't a scalable business. These are all true baselines, but why are people worried about starting scalable businesses when they haven't even started a business? When they haven't made a dollar, they haven't made one sale, and yet they get discouraged because they're not going into a business where they can make 100,000 sales, you know? What about making 10 grand before you make a million dollars, right? Like these are the things that people don't understand. And what happens is when you make 10 grand, well, your life changes. When you make 100 grand, your life changes. So at 100 grand, your mindset is in the capacity to reach a million. At 10 grand, it's in the mindset to reach 100,000. But at zero, it's not in the right mindset to reach 100 million. So again, because people aren't looking at progress, they're looking at results and final actions. They often never get started. So when they're in jobs they hate, nobody forced them to work there. They can absolutely look for a job every day. But if you ask everybody who hates their job, how many applications they filled out yesterday, most of them would say nothing. And you would ask them, well, well why not? Why, why aren't you trying to leave? If you hate something, why are you not attempting to leave? I understand you can't leave overnight. You have bills, you have family plans, you have things that are preventing you from moving on. But why are you not actually making an attempt to work somewhere where you're interested in what you're doing or learning? Now, it doesn't mean you have to love it, but at least you're learning something new. People stay in dead-end jobs because they're comfortable with 12 bucks an hour and they learn nothing. And, and they look at me and they go, well, this other job only pays 11 an hour and I don't want to lose a dollar. Okay, well, you don't want to lose a dollar. What you're saying is you don't want to invest a dollar an hour to learn something new. So, I mean, the way I look at the reason why people never discover their talents is because they're not willing to look internally and actually understand that finding their talents holds more weight than making a dollar. 
And so if a normal person wanted to find their talent today, I would tell them, pay attention to what you do naturally better than other people. Meaning if you're working as a cashier, you know, even in a, in a grocery store, are you, paying, are you paying attention to the people around you and how you're interacting with them? May, are you paying attention to your own actions? What are you being praised for? What do people love about you? Then pay attention to these things and practice them more. And the more you practice them, the more you realize that, hey, you know what? I'm actually pretty good at this. How can I apply this to other things that can potentially become very relevant? Wow. Major Jones. you like a philosopher, man. <laughs> actually, you know what's funny? You say that, but I actually believe myself to be more of a philosopher than, a, than an entrepreneur or anything else. And the last five years has really been eye-awakening eye for me anyways, just being in this industry of teaching people that I do believe that I hold more of a philosopher approach to life. And I think that's why it works better than some of these people just saying, do X, Y, and Z, and you'll make some money, you'll do that. Because I feel like those kind of things aren't sustainable. You know, if you don't teach someone the habits, well, they'll never find success, even if you tell them what to do, because they'll never do what you told them what to do on an ongoing basis without you telling them. So it's like, it just doesn't make sense, you know? It's like, and it's funny you say it, it's like, I'm like, man, I could teach kids how to make money over and over again. That's my specialty, teaching a 12-year-old kid how to go make maybe 500 to 1,000 a day. But we never build the proper mindset. Like if they, if I never teach them how no is a part of the process, how you gotta be willing to hear no over and over again, they're gonna crumble immediately. They're gonna stop being a business owner after five people tell them no. But we train their mind and no is a part of the process. No means next opportunity you're going to literally be like, now I can create some more success for myself because you know it's a part of it. So, And, and let, me, let me help you with something because I think people listening would, would understand this really well. I think one of the big reasons why people fail in life is that they lose track of definitions. Uh, definitions are something that social media and the information overload we're in today has made very difficult for people to understand. What do I mean by that? The word entrepreneur is thrown around as if it's like self-employment. And yet it has no correlation to that. Just because you own a business doesn't make you an entrepreneur. If you're a business owner, you're a business owner. If you're an entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur. We mix words like education with formal education. We see every time we talk of education, people assume we are saying, oh, you're going to school. But education is all around us and can be free for the most part, thanks to Google, right? So again, I think, I think because we generalize things, we tend not to understand them well. Like if we tell someone, find your talents, they typically just say, well, a talent is something I'm good at, you know, and that's it. And that would make it a skill just the same as a talent. So again, by not differentiating these words, people kind of misunderstand how progress works. And, I'll, and you brought up the word mindset. That's why it reminded me of this. I don't think mindset is the reason why people struggle a lot. I think a lot of people have the right mindset because they're consciously aware of the fact that what they need to do, they see it. You know, I think you ask most young people, like, what do you want to do? They're like, I want to hustle. I want to work hard. I want to work 24 hours. But then you ask them, what do you want to work on? And they're like, I have no idea. That's the problem. So I think the big issue is that we team up mindset with this word that I've been using a lot more in my recent studies and, and books called perspective. I think we teach mindset, but we don't teach perspective. And I think perspective to me holds more weight than mindset. 
Because it, to me, perspective is what street smart is to book smart. Mindset is book smart, perspective is street smart. It's your ability to see, analyze, adapt, and constantly stay ahead of what's happening based on what, what you understand of what you're looking at, not just based on what you understand of what you're taking in. Wow, that's key. So real quick, because I think people should know this, because a lot of times people may look at you, incredible home, several businesses, have had every exotic car in the world. So you, you someone will look at you and be like, man, I need to have that life, but he was made. Someone gave him all of those things. He was born wealthy. He was born with this. And I always talk about my story, like dad been in jail since I was two, kicked out of high school, college, fired from all these jobs. But I was born in America. Like you wasn't born in America. You came over here with your mother with nothing and turned that into something. What did it take for you to do that? Was it a certain grit? Was it just you had no other option? Because I want people to kind of hear where you actually came from and how you actually made this happen. Because it's really impressive. Not to you. I know it's just normal to you. But someone looking in, I need them to know you didn't just get to where you got to. You grind. You grinded to well, that. You know, I think I think I made different choices than most people. And, and I think this is something I did earlier than most people. We all hit a breaking point where we look at something and say, this isn't what I want. Same in a relationship, right? You're dating a girl, you take a look at her, and at some point you just look at her and you're like, it's just not what I want. Maybe we fight too much, maybe she's not aesthetically pleasing, whatever it is. It just, it hits you at some point in a relationship, right? And then you look back and you go, man, I should have left this a long time ago. And when you leave, you feel better, right? And I think it's the same thing as to what's happened in my personal life. Because when I came from Iran originally, we were fairly wealthy in Iran. So someone would say, well, that's correct. We had a big house, you know, we had servants and everything. And then the revolution happened and my mom left all her money behind. And she went over to France in hopes of escaping prosecution. And as a result of it, uh, my father, which was in Iran, was supposed to send her her own money, which was selling her own house and things like that and sending her as much money as she can so she can start over in France and he would come join us later. He never came. And so my mom started a business for 10 years, uh, did okay, we didn't make a lot of money, but they had enough for a roof and, and a car. But over time, uh, she wanted to come to the US. So she eventually left everything behind a, a second time in hopes to coming to the US again. Uh, and, and for once she did make it here. And what happened is she was supposed to, again, get a lot of money from her brother this time who was going to sell her business, which she took 10 years to build, again, giving her a cushion. Nothing. Once again, no money. Back at zero. Now she starts a coffee shop again with the very little money she had actually saved in cash. And we attempt to get just a, a, a paper, like a green card or, or something. And with this coffee shop, she fails again. This time she's getting older. The energy is not there. She fails. We move to Virginia. And my mom becomes a cashier uh, in a restaurant. This is a woman that, that worked, you know, as like head of like Lockheed Martin for a foreign country, you know, like not somewhere that worked a job, you know, like a career was one of the most respected women in the country. And yet as a result of it, now is working a cashier making $8 an hour, uh, being told how to ring up a register. You get to a point where, you know, I looked around, I lived in a basement with two people. Uh, I had a TV and a video game console and I had a mattress and I realized that it wasn't my mom's fault. And I think that was the first big thing 
is I realized that my mom was trying. And unfortunately, I also realized that her tries were not going to be enough by herself. So these were two really important things. And I made a choice that day that I think most people just don't choose in their life. And it was that I really didn't like poverty. Like that was the choice. The choice was not that I was going to be successful. The choice was not I knew I was going to go start a business. Uh, I knew what to do. I didn't. What I knew was that I hated poverty. I, I really hated it. Like I didn't like it. I lived in a neighborhood where people had money, meaning they weren't rich, but they, they came from middle class families where everybody had uh, two incomes and you know they were buying their kids cars and stuff at 16 and I was looking around and I was in a basement in that community I wasn't in the community I was under the community you know uh, think about like a slave in the at the bottom of a ship you know he's not he's maybe on the ship but he's still at the bottom of the ship right he's not there to enjoy the ride right and these other people are enjoying the ride and so I was a slave in that community in the sense that I lived underground and nobody cared you know, and, and I started realizing that unless I make a choice that I hate poverty more than anything else, then I'm never going to get out of it. And so that day I decided that it didn't matter if I made a dollar or if I made $60 an hour, I would go and make every hour of my life worth something. And you know what was funny is I started washing cars for $5 a car when the car wash was $15 a car. And it would be cold outside and the water would freeze on the cars as I try to wash them. And I still wash cars even if it took me three hours for $5 a car. Because it was better to make $5 than no dollars. And I think this mentality of not being entitled that what I'm owed or what kind of job I want or what I like doing, where's my passion, where are the things I want to do. And instead say that if I don't have a passion right at that moment and I have a job, then I'm going to take the job and I'm going to do a good job at it. And I think that decision to just not be poor anymore uh, started with just one car at a time, but it ultimately led to a ton of businesses, uh, a ton of open doors, a ton of opportunities. And of course, the better you get at washing cars, the more they pay you and the more tips you make. And eventually you realize that $5 every three hours turns into $12 every three hours. And so the point is focus on the work, not on the life you want. And I guarantee you that the work will lead you down a path where eventually you'll understand exactly how to create that same life you see other people living that you want. Wow. That's, that's key. Super key. That's, that's incredible. So right now, um, do you foresee any other trends that people should be getting on right now? I know watch, I know of course the watch thing, anything else that you're looking at like, man, I think so. So, so I think, I, I think we're going into a world where people are starting to realize that they're going to have to be creative towards how things work. Uh, I think we're seeing the rich get richer by just, you know, finding loopholes and ways around things. And, and the big thing, my biggest, uh, like my biggest takeaway from life so far has always been that the most creative people in the world always are the richest. So if you look at creativity, and I don't mean creativity like going and drawing some horses on a, on a piece of paper, right? But usually people who can be creative in the sense of understanding that things are not set in stone. Boundaries are not set into four walls, right? Like a tax system is nothing more than a guideline, you know, and an expectation. And it can be bent right, it can be bent left, and there are open doors where there is gray areas. Every one of the systems we live in, from education to taxes to business, has all been set in the same gray area. And I think the better you get at learning how to navigate these gray areas, the further you get in life. The more close-minded you remain 
towards these patterns. And the more you say, well, this is what I have to do. This is the way life works. Like if you say, I have to have a degree to be successful. If you say, I have to pay my taxes in full because this is what the code says this way, you know, and as a result of it, uh, you always live within a world filled with boundaries where these boundaries are created to help uh, shape basic survival, not growth. People think that the, the education system is built to help them succeed. So they get disappointed when they come out without a job. The education system was never built to help them succeed. The education system was built to help create workers for industrial based companies who needed workers who were too stupid to work there. So they created a system to help ultimately people just come into these uh, industries, but they never intended for those people to become CEOs of those businesses. They just expected people to become workers. So to rely on a system built for survival for success is foolish. The same way that everything else in the world works the same way. You can't live within the confines of, of society and expect that to be your growth. It's just your survival. You're surviving. Most people that have a degree, most people that have conventional thinking are survivors. And they, maybe they're comfortable survivors. Nobody says you have to be poor and shit, but you can just be a survivor and you don't have to have a growth uh, set kind of perspective slash mentality, right? And I think the trends are going to be uh, people are going to get smarter. I think information is shifting from, from text to video. That's been happening a lot. I think people are just want to watch things more than they want to read things. I think we are also understanding one big trends that's one big trend that's happening now that maybe people aren't paying attention to is people's awareness level has been enhanced so much into politics and there's going to be a whole new vertical of political based businesses that are going to become extremely popular in the next three years. So that's, that's one thing that people aren't paying attention to. Another thing is they're always going into the most saturated markets like everyone else. They're like, Oh my God, real estate. Everybody's doing real estate. It's really good. I'm going to jump on real estate's good, but real estate was like 20 years ago. Super good. Now it's like fighting for scrubs with like 50 other people for the same exact dollar. Right? So, so, you know, going into industries that are highly saturated, doesn't mean they can't be profitable. It just means you have to work twice as hard to get half the results. Going into new industries also means you have to work twice as hard, but then you're the first at the line, right? So the more you do, uh, the easier, the more the industry grows, the more you grow. The less the industry grows, you know, the more you hurt, right? But then you're still the first one to ride the wave. And again, just being the first one means you have to have a risk-taking mentality that you can't do things because everyone else is doing them and it's safe. You do things because you identify uh, with something specifically within that where you feel like there's hope, you know, and I'm going to work at that. And if it's not, I'll find the next thing, you know? Yeah, that's key. Wow. That's huge. So what I've been doing lately, PJ, I've been focusing on the small things, like, like really trying to figure out, like when someone says something, I'm not trying to hear the most transformational thing you're saying. I'm trying to hear that small thing that I'm like, crap. You just said something, operate within the gray areas. Like you literally can win operating in gray areas. And, and when I think about what you got going on with exotic car hacks, what you got going on with watch conspiracy, I'm like, I feel like it's similar because it's like you're finding a way to make things affordable and, and, and things that seems like super far-fetched, you made an easy way to actually do that. So I actually want you to kind of talk about exotic car hacks and how you're helping people get in the farms you know i'm getting a rose race wraith i thought i had to wait a year but it might happen a lot sooner so i want because 
of your program. So I want you to kind of talk about that um, program. So people yeah, so on the surface, most people think I teach people how to buy exotic cars. You know, they go, oh, well, you're just teaching it exotic car hacks, how people should buy exotic cars. And reality is that's the furthest thing from the truth. Same thing with watch conspiracy. They go, oh, you're teaching people how to buy watches and sell them and flip them. And I'm like, not really. The point is that I think one of the big things people don't understand is that we've been brainwashed for like years, like 30 plus years by the auto industry and more importantly by the banks on how we should be consumers of the system. Like many of us across the board are consumers. What we do is we buy cars to drive. We typically like to lease them because we can return them and we don't have to deal with them. And reality is we buy goods because we want to consume them. We buy a nice watch because it means something to us. You know, it's a status thing and we want to wear one. We don't really buy one as an investment. We buy one because we want one. And most of us would, would go through life saying that most of the things we buy are either wants or needs, you know, and they're broken down into two categories. Reality, though, is that one of the things I've always realized is in, in the earlier years when I was growing up in corporate America, I was losing a lot of money on cars just because I was a consumer of them. I was buying cars. Nice cars, you know, I was growing up in the world and every two years I would buy a new car, it would be cooler. Sometimes I would lease them and every, whatever money I lost, I just said, oh man, the market went down, so I lost some money, it is what it is. One of the things I started thinking about though, was I started asking myself, if, if these dealers keep building larger dealerships and these jewelers keep buying larger yachts, so how is it that they're buying and trading the same goods I'm buying and trading, but they're making money versus I'm losing money. I don't understand that. Like, how is it a dealership is making money if the market is constantly crashing? So that's every time I would buy a car and go sell it, the salesman would be like, well, the market's soft on these cars, but it's strong on the car you're trying to buy. Then I was like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. How is it that every time I have a good product and all my friends want it, somehow it's still the worst product to have, you know? But then when they take my car and trade, they sell it instantly for like 20 grand more. So I was like, I'm, maybe I'm missing something. So I was like, let me not be a consumer of the system and let me at least understand and learn how the system works and understand if there is a methodology for me to take advantage of it like in the gray area instead of being uh, taken advantage of as a consumer you know as, a, as someone that walks in pays for a good and walks home right so i started really doing some research and i realized that this game uh of of buying cars and and buying luxuries has be, has been really more of a finance game than anything else because there's a significant market behind it and there's this huge opportunity because everybody wants it. It's like you're hitting everybody's wants and everybody's ability uh, to actually buy it. Imagine if you had a business uh, like Apple, right? Like how exciting is it that every time you come out with a new iPhone, there's people lining up out of the door, right? like to buy a phone for $1,000 when their phone for $1,000 is already not broken. And half of these people are willing to trade in their phone for $300, even though there's nothing wrong with it, to lose an extra $700 to get the next phone just because it's a better camera. So to me, that's like crazy, right? Like it doesn't make any sense. So I started looking at it in the same kind of fashion for cars. And every Ferrari is always sold out. You know, every new Lamborghini that comes out has always got a waiting list. So I started saying, people want this crap. Like they're buying it left and right. And they're putting big money behind it. So I don't understand how it's possible for something that has so much want that I would have to lose money on every time I drive a car. Yet everybody's trying like dying to buy it. And I have it, yet I'm still losing money when I sell it. So I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. And the reality is, it, it took a lot of studying. It took about 
uh, I would say probably like eight plus years of just really analyzing the market, constantly making and losing money to understand what the real pattern was internally that separated dealerships from people and that separated jewelers from people. And then understanding the back end of how things work to understand where the values and things in these goods are. So after I became a really good banker for quite a few years and got fired from my banking job, I started the world's first investment fund in alternative assets, uh, which was called VIP Motoring at the time. Uh, and what VIP Motoring was, it would help people invest in cars, watches, and more. And I would help people with $5 million and up in investable cash to put money in cars and watches and art and high-end real estate. The, the baseline for it was that I was managing your funds for you. One of the things I realized though, is that there's a huge market out there of people who want to own an exotic car, just like you, who are like, hey, I have a nice car now, I'd like a Rolls Royce, I'd like a Ferrari, I'd like a Lamborghini. And there's also a market for people who are like, yeah, I would buy a $30,000 watch if I knew that I wasn't gonna lose money or I knew that I was gonna make money when I sell it. And so what I realized is that these people are there and they don't have $5 million in their pocket to be able to do that. So they got to want to do this too. And I got to be able to help them, even though I can't help them through my firm. So I created this platform called exotic car hacks and this other one called watch conspiracy and exotic car hacks teaches all the ins and outs of finance and more to make people understand how to buy certain and the right exotic cars, uh, which can be bought as low as 20 to $30,000 to be clear. This is not like you have to have millions of dollars to buy a 300 K car. Uh, many cases teaching people how to finance these cars without good credit, without a lot of money down, things that we've been brainwashed to say, you need to, uh, you need to buy a Lamborghini cash or you can't afford it. And then uh, by doing that, I'm teaching people ultimately how to take all of this uh, and turn it into a piece of their life. So they turn from, I'm a consumer of luxury goods in my life to I, I'm becoming a hub for it where I'm learning how to play with luxuries and ultimately allow them to become assets in my life rather than liabilities. And so, you know, basic things like someone saying, I want a Lamborghini to saying, no, what you want is a 2015 Lamborghini in white with these options this way. And that way, when you get out, you're going to make five grand instead of lose 20 grand uh, are the basic principles that have allowed us to grow exotic car hacks to like 4,000 plus members, you know, in the last two and a half years and watch conspiracy now to 3,000 plus watch traders with I would say probably 20% of them making now over $100,000 in disposable income yearly, uh, just trading watches on the side while they hold their full-time jobs or do whatever else they do. Jeez, that's crazy. And what we'll do in here, we'll make sure we just drop some links um, just for, for people to check those out if they're interested. But I mean, it's just crazy. Like when I just hear all the different ways people could generate income now and just make it happen, I often say there's no excuse in America right now for someone to not be able to go do something because there's so many options out here and so many things you kind of could take advantage of. So um, I really appreciate um, you just dropping all this game. We're going to ask you a few more questions and get you out of here, but I'm super grateful for just the insight that you gave so far. Um, with some of the things right now, um, are you learning from anybody? Are you reading anything in particular? Or are you just writing? You seem more like a, a, just a creator more than like a consumer. So I know you got various books and various uh, interviews all over the internet, but are you learning from anybody right now? Do you have any? So I, I struggle uh, with something in my life, which is I, I do believe I see myself more as a philosopher than anything else. 
And one of the problems with philosophy is that you got to be very careful not to get, uh, not to get your, your perspective muddled by someone else's previous thoughts. Because you see, philosophy in, it, in itself is very theoretical, meaning it's just connecting the dots that people can't see. And a lot of times, if someone else has connected the dots, it can hinder your judgment of what you're connecting ultimately. And it makes it very hard uh, to, to look at modern philosophers, other people who consider themselves such or have written works uh, that could be considered as such, and really then try to create your own philosophy out of it, because then it's not really your own, right? It's just a byproduct of someone else's. So I tend not to read anything. I've never read a book and I don't like it. I don't find any enjoyment in it. However, I have studied the work of very uh, much older philosophers like Nietzsche, Carl Jung and other people uh, via different video series, not trying to understand their philosophy on life, but understanding how they lived their life specifically. Because I think the world has changed a lot. And I think philosophy then, uh, again, was very much uh, reflection driven and today it's very progressive uh, again because of the flow of information and I think that again there's a good opportunity looking ahead to bring more light to proper philosophy so more young people can have a, a better view and perspective on life rather than the one they have now I feel like everything's mingled now in society where everything is one again that breaking down definitions matters and so you know I do I do uh, learn a lot from uh, learning of people's lives. I have a YouTube channel that I really like listening to. If people are, are watching, they can probably subscribe to it. It's called like Academy of Ideas. It's actually really old. It's like 10 years old. Uh, it's not exciting. It doesn't have cars or anything else in it. Uh, it's just a lot of uh, old talks of uh, how philosophers live their lives and what came to their mind as they read uh, or as they uh, wrote certain books they had. Major, major. So what's next for you, BJ? Well, this year, uh, we're going to relaunch Secret Entourage. I don't know if you noticed, but after 12 plus years, we decided that we were going to close down Secret Entourage, the same platform where you met a lot of your friends. Yeah. Uh, the world has changed, right? And again, we have to adapt this business uh, and as entrepreneurs. Uh, 12 years ago, when I started that, you were correct to say no one was around. No, no one was doing what I was doing. Today, Thousands of people have saturated the space, destroyed it and pissed on it with just their garbage content and their garbage uh, selling affiliate links and this and that. And it just has changed what it really meant for us to teach entrepreneurship because, you know, we, we created a platform that was affordable for people to get entrepreneur based education advice groups and so on and so forth. And what has happened is over the year, we never profited from it. And the benefit of it was that whatever profit the platform would make, and it was profitable, would end up going back into growing the platform. And the more we end up really, you know, lowering the cost of the platform to compete with some of these other people in the marketplace pretending to do the same thing, you know, and on the surface, that's all that matters. The marketing is still part of the business. We find ourselves that we're paying more money to Facebook to just kind of get someone to discover the brand and get someone to really just interact with it and buy into it and we are actually helping other entrepreneurs uh, in the world the way we used to do. So it's unfortunate, but it seems that the model in its current state would have been dead if we would have kept it up for another three years. You know, so I think we're going to go to a more personal level. I'm launching a, a new program called uh, Learn Entrepreneurship in 90 Days. 
which is going to be a very intense boot camp uh, that's going to happen all over the U.S. We're going to start in Florida. It's going to go to Virginia, then to Texas, to L.A., and other places. And that hopefully will become uh, really more like a class you take rather than a full ongoing program, uh, similar to you going to college, except in 90 days, you're just going to uh, get brainwashed with everything you need to be an entrepreneur. And you would think that how the hell can you learn entrepreneurship in 90 days? Uh, you can learn yourself in 90 days. And that's why I always say it's a very intense program and a lot of people are going to quit, especially when I piloted it. Uh, there were 30 people in the first class. There was three people that graduated. So, and, and the only reason they didn't is because the rest of them quit. Mm, wow, that's key. So now I just want to thank you so much. The value that you dropped on here was serious. Like, you're really a philosopher, though. <laughs> it's so chill, but it's so, like, spot on. So I want to say I'm super grateful for it. And again, I'm like, when I joined Secret Entourage, it was like a hundred bucks. I'm like, it's no way. I'm like, how are they making money with this, right? They just want to help people all around the world because I've met Dave, we talk every day. I met so many other incredible people from being in uh, the academy. So I really appreciate what you've done for me. I actually got to go speak at Ty event in Charlotte tomorrow, I think. It's in Charlotte tomorrow, but I'm just grateful for the platform that you created to just help people around the world like me get to new heights and new levels and meet new people. So I'm very grateful for you. And just thank you for taking time out of your day to just get on here to share your insight. And I look forward to passing it out. So guys, please take a moment, follow Pedgeman at I Create Millionaires on Instagram. You got a certain Facebook handle as well. Yes, Pejman Gadimi. It's as simple as it is. It's just my first and last name. Please, guys, follow, subscribe, watch, tune in, look out for the 90-day program that's going to drop. Check out all of his programs. I'll plug them down in the show notes. But as always, I'm going to keep bringing you some of the most incredible, some of the most some of the best entrepreneurs in the world who, one, that I learn from, and two, they're actually masters at what they do. So again, um, remember, a formal education will make you something. A self-education can make you a whole lot of money. Um, so listen, keep tuning in. Keep uh, enjoying the podcast. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. And we're going to keep bringing you incredible episodes that's going to literally rewire your brain and help you accelerate the great. So everybody have an incredible day. and Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Peace.